Welcome to Pursuit Church Mornington Podcast with Pastor Brian Carden. The message you're about to hear will help you build your faith in Christ and grow in the knowledge of His will. Let's go right into the message. When you grow in love, you grow in God. When you are a healthy member, you are committed, tied to the body where God has planted you. And every work and the words you speak and the way you conduct yourself will come out of a place of love so that you might edify and grow the church up. Not just based on your opinion. Because I tell you, it's so funny. Uh, you know, oftentimes we have various opinions. I had opinions about golf that I could walk out there. I'll never forget. I went to the sporting goods store, bought a, bought a set of golf clubs. I bought those golf clubs. I go, I hit the ball inside the sporting goods store a little bit, you know, and hit that in there. Walked out, thought I did pretty good, felt pretty good. Cost was about right in my budget, the way I wanted to play. Got me some shoes, got me some shorts, got me a pair of pants, got me a, a, a golf shirt, went out there to the golf course, hit some balls, you know, in the driving range, watching people, trying to pick it up a little bit. And I wasn't doing too good, so I thought, you know, I'm just going to go to the course. I'll go play nine. I'm going to do 18, right? So I'll just go out there and play nine, you know, have a quick game. I get out there, and I'm, I'm hitting on that golf course, and I mean, I, I didn't get through two holes, you know, before I walked off. I go to the, it took me a long time before uh, I quit that. And I knew I was going to be there all day if I played nine, even to the next day probably. So I come back and I go to the clubhouse. And I'm going to go in and wash up and clean up a little bit. And there's an older gentleman sitting in there. And he looked at me and he said something to me. He said, I was watching you. And now I'm a little bit embarrassed because I know how I was performing out there. I know how I was performing, so I felt a little bit of shame. Because I walk in there thinking, you know, I know exactly what this is about. I've done this. I've seen this. I know this. How hard can it be, right? So I go in, I go in that clubhouse. He, he looks at me and says, I was, I was watching you. And he's smiling. And I, I said, uh, okay. I said, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm learning. And kind of just, you know, I, I want to just kind of dismiss it, you know, kind of put it off. You know what I mean? Everyone understands what I'm saying there. You just don't want to feel like that. You don't want, and now's not the time to talk to you, so to speak, you know. But I also have learned, my parents taught me something, to, be, to listen. You know, the Bible tells us to be quick to hear and slow to speak. So I just thought, you know what, I'm just going to listen. And so I did. And as I listened to this man, what he began to tell me was something I didn't know. You know, I didn't know that at these golf courses, most of the time they have a semi-pro or somebody who will help train you and teach you how to play. And he told me, he gave me some of the biggest and best advice I could ever get. He said, why don't you pay a couple hundred bucks? You'll get several different um, uh, uh, rounds with this, this person. They'll help you and they'll, they'll work with you and they'll, they'll train you up. They'll, they'll teach you some things and they'll come along beside you and they'll work with you. And he says, if, if you start wrong, it's going to take you a lot longer to recover. He says, some people build up a lot of bad habits because uh, they start playing and they don't have nobody beside them that's going to help them and train them and teach them and furnish them with the knowledge that they need to actually play this thing right. He says, and you build up bad habits and you'll wonder why you're always slicing. You wonder why you're always not going the distance as you should and, and things of that nature. And I thought, you know, that's not bad to invest a little bit and allow myself to, to develop in that area, to commit myself to someone else, to train and teach me. And, you know, I learned, too, when I'm committed to something, I'm not always talking about my ideas on it necessarily, my view of how it should be. But well, I think, you know, taking the golf pro and then telling them, you know what, I think I'm going to hold the club like this because that's a little bit uncomfortable holding it the way you do. 
you know, I don't like that stand. I think I'm going to stand like this. You know, I played baseball before. You know, there's a lot of things in which, next thing we, we think we is still, we're still interjecting things in which it can hinder us through the vanity of our mind instead of allowing the Word of God to grow us in love and to train us. I want you to look this morning in Psalms 31. I'm going to get some leadership talk for a minute. Psalms 31. You know, the Bible says that the Word of God is an examiner, a discerner. It'll bring life into us. It'll bring health into us. You know, I believe the Word of God should be life-changing when we hear it. Not just feeding our vanity, but confronting the vanity and transforming us into the image of of Christ. Psalms 31, are you there? I'm going to begin reading in verse 1. It says, Psalms is before Proverbs and Isaiah. Very beautiful book. Psalms 31, verse 1. It says, In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in thy righteousness. Bow down your ear to me. Deliver me speedily. You, be my strong rock. For a house of defense to save me. For you are my rock. You are my rock and my fortress. Therefore, my, for your name's sake, lead me and guide me. Pull me out of the net that they have laid privately for me. For you are my strength. And into your hand I commit my spirit. For you have redeemed me, O Lord, God of truth. I have hated them that regard lying vanities. But I trust in the Lord. You know, that is a powerful, powerful word. You know, some translations, they have it and they say it a little bit differently. And some of them that I have found, uh, they, they tend to translate that in a way that, which is good, but I want to reread it in another translation here. This is in the Living Translation. It says, this is a Psalm of David. This is, this is David's prayer. This is how David communicated with God. David is a leader. David is a king. He says, oh Lord, I have come to you for protection. Don't let me be disgraced. Save me, for you do what is right. For you do what is right. Turn your ear to listen to me. Rescue me quickly. Be my rock of protection, a fortress where I will be safe. You know, a rock is very unique when you think about a rock. You see that in the Bible, throughout the Bible. You know, Jesus said to Peter and to his disciples, when he talked to Peter, he said, when, when he asked Peter, he said, Who do you say that I am, Peter? Peter said, well, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he said, Simon Barjona, now you're going to be called Peter. And then he said, to him, he said, upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So what is a rock? A rock, one we know with David, rock, he took five smooth stones. A rock he took out a giant with, Goliath. He, you know, the rock is a type of the Word of God. It is what we're built upon, a strong foundation. Our house is built upon a rock, not sand, the Bible says. So we were building our house upon the rock, which is the Word of God. We were being equipped and furnished by the Word of God and the Word of truth. 
And David said that it is a defense. It is a place of safety. It is a shelter for me. And he says, and let me just say this, that rock is something that is strong, that can it's unbreakable, is a place to hide, it's a place of defense, it is a weapon to be used. It is what your lives are built upon. That's what the Word of God is. And this is what love is in us. Remember, the Word of God, you can't separate God from His Word, and God is love as well, and that love has been shed abroad in our heart. Romans 5, 5 says, by the Holy Spirit of God. It dwells in you. We have to learn to dwell in it. We have to learn to dwell from the Spirit, dwelling out of love and not out of the vanity of the mind. Not allowing ourselves to reject the Word of God when it comes in to discern us. You know, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, that the Word of God is like a sword. It's a two-edged sword. It divides asunder the very spirit and mind or the soul. And the Bible says that it will be, it's a discerner of the thought and the intent of our heart. So we have to allow the Word of God to discern our thought and intent. And if it's coming out of that place of love. And what is love? A lot of times we can say it's love, but it's a feeling of love to get an, a reaction or an action to get something done on our behalf. Well, that's not love. That's selfish love. That's kind of like fish love. You know, you probably heard the term before. I like fish. You know, or I say, I love fish. But you know, why, what I, why do I love fish? Well, I like, to, I, like, I like fish burgers. I like fish tacos. I like to have fish with chips. But am I really loving fish? No, I'm loving fish because it satisfies my desire. I'm not really loving fish because if I love fish, I probably wouldn't be eating fish. I'd be feeding fish and taking care of the fish, cleaning its tank and giving it a name. Instead of frying it, battering it, cleaning it, cutting it open to satisfy my desire. That's not love. That's a wrong kind of, that's a selfish love. But that's a kind of love a lot of people give. That's a kind of love a lot of people live in and a lot of people desire and want. But that's not the God kind of love. For God so loved the world that he gave. See, that's the key. That's the key. If we're going to mature in God, we're going to grow in God, we're going to grow in our leadership ability and understand who God is. First of all, the first commandment that the Bible gave to us, and we know that this is to be true, whenever the religious people try to come in and start saying, well, you know, uh, I love God and I love this. Well, the Bible says the first love uh, that we should have out of book of Luke chapter 10 uh, I think it's uh, verse 27, Jesus said there, he said, the first commandment, he said, and, and he, Jesus answered and said to them that you should love God with all of your heart and all of your soul and everything with your whole mind, everything that you have, and love your, love your neighbor as yourself. So what is he saying there? We have to take it right back to John 13. We have to take it back to John 13, verse 34. He said, this commandment I give to you, that you love one another. You see, when we say we love God, but we don't love one another, we, do, we don't walk in love, and we're not growing and maturing in love, then we're not really loving God. We say we love God, but we, don't, but we say we're not loving our brother. Oh, well, I love my brother. I don't want nothing negative to go wrong with their life or whatever. I understand that. That's right. But that doesn't mean you love. That's not what that means. Love is something that you give yourself to, you commit yourself to, to build and to, and to increase and to, and to, to continue in. You know, it's kind of like a marriage. 
Whenever you love someone, you commit yourself to them, not for what they give to you. You know, I've counseled many people in my day. Uh, I've been in church all of my life, and I've counseled many people. I've heard many thoughts and many things concerning love. I've had people say, well, I just don't, I just don't love them anymore. And I'll say, well, that's a choice. Why don't you love them? Well, I don't like the way they look. I don't like the way they're acting. I don't like this. I said, well, you don't love them. I said, you don't like certain things, but you're not loving them because love covers a multitude of what you don't like. Love covers a multitude of sin. Love is something that comes out of you that is greater than what you desire and what your need is and what you want. See, vanity is a unique thing. The Bible says here, if we keep reading in the book of Psalms, please stay with me. I tell you, this is so powerful. Where he said this, he said in verse 6, he says, I've hated those who regard useless idols or, or vanity, who have listened to lying vanities. That's what, that is, that's what that means. He says, but I trust in the Lord. This Psalms 31 verse 6 in the Webster's Bible says, I've hated them that regard lying vanities, but I trust in the Lord. And the uh, Hebrew word there uh, for the word vanity, uh, those two words, lying vanities, in the Hebrew, it just means empty words. Who trust in empty words, vanity, empty words. You know, Jude, Jude called them clouds without rain, spots in the feast of love. He said, these are complainers and gossipers. These are murmurers. These are people who, who do not respect authority. They do not honor authority. He said, these are the type of people he's talking about. Why? Because they're empty words. They have vanity of their mind. They're not, they're not living out of their spirit. They're living out of their soulish man. They might regard religion, but they don't live out of the spirit. This is what the Word of God teaches us is that I like what Paul said. He did this twice in the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 3 and chapter 4, where he was talking and he was writing the letter to Timothy, who was the pastor of the church of Ephesus. In 2 Timothy, chapter 3, verse 5. 2 Timothy, chapter 3, verse 5. He says this. He says that there will be those, he says, who have a form of godliness, or they will act religious. They will say, I'm a Christian. They will say, you know, here's what I believe. Here's what I think. And he says, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. They will make them like Christ, where they will grow up into Christ. They will reject the power. They reject the message. They will reject that salvation part of the love of God, which is shed abroad in our heart, to change them into the image of Christ. He says, they will reject. They will reject that power that can make them godly. And he, stay, he says, stay away from people like that. You see that? He says, from such, turn away. Stay away from people like that. So what do they do? The word there says, in some translations, says they deny the power. To deny means to refuse. Or to disregard in the Greek. When you look that word up, it says, it's to disregard for own interest. So what do they do? They refuse it. They disregard it for their own interests or to prove falsely to themselves. So in their mind, when the Word of God is coming, this action of their soul, if they're living and they idolize the vanities that's in them concerning of what they think it ought to be, what they, what they 
see it as and the way they want it to happen. The Bible says that's a vanity of the mind and they'll begin to reject the power that will change them into the image of Christ holding on to the vanity of their mind why to, and they will prove it to be false to themselves. They'll disregard it for their own self-interest. 2 Timothy chapter 4. And let me just say this. In chapter 3, before we go to chapter 4, in chapter 3, if you read up previously to that, I'll tell you that's a powerful thing there. Because you see what he's talking about. He's talking about in the last days. He's talking about in the times and the seasons of God. He says, this know in verse 1, that in the last days, perilous times shall come, for men will be lovers of their own selves, covetousness, bold, boasters uh, of proud things. Uh, they will be blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers. They won't, they won't keep in commitment. They'll be false accusers. And, and, and the Bible teaches us what are they doing that for? Well, they do that for to justify that false vanity, the vanity of their mind. Why? Why did, why did these things happen? The Bible says they're traitors, they're high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Having a form of religion, having, so they have a form. So they're taking upon the form of Christianity. They're taking on various forms. And the Bible says, but they're denying, they're rejecting. They, they're rejecting the power of that change of the Word of God, the truth of the Word of God into that image because of own self-interest. They want to prove it false to themselves so they don't have to obey it, so they don't have to perform it, so they don't have to grow into that. They're going to stay in the way that the manner that they see things. You know, I could have done that playing God. I still, got to, I still need more instruction. I, don't, I need a lot of instruction in God. The couple of hundred dollars I spent to, to learn how to play golf, well, you know, if you don't stay with it and you don't keep with it and you don't keep playing it, you build old, old habits and you build old ways back into yourself again. And I have to retrain myself constantly. And it's something, it's something that's kind of like playing the piano. If you don't continue to play the piano, uh, you'll, you'll lose it. It's not necessarily like riding a bicycle. Uh, it's not just something you're just going to jump on and just continue. You've got to keep practicing. You've got to keep hitting on it. You've got to keep working it. It's just like your physical body. If you, you can train for a while, but if you begin to create bad habits and you start un, and not training your body, uh, what will happen? You'll lose that which you gain because you have to have a consistency. You have to be committed to it. You know, 2 Timothy chapter 4. Look in this. He says, I charge you, therefore, bro, verse 1, he says, I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Sounds what, like what Paul said earlier in Ephesians chapter 4. Now he's in 2 Timothy chapter 4. And he's saying, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the alive and the dead at his appearing and at his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all on suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. They can't endure it. But after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Why do they do that? Because of the vanity of the mind. He says, and they've turned away their ears from the truth and have turned unto fables. This word fables is translated to the word mythos. We, in the Hebrew, it's called lying vanities. So what we read out of Psalms 31, 60, and he says that they're lying vanities. This is what they regard. This is what they're trusting in. Even though they have a form of godliness, they say, I trust in the Lord, but they're trusting in their lying vanities. The Bible says, he says, he says this, is, 
they, call, they will turn into these fables or turn into itch, itching ears to, to, to justify, to walk into that place. He says, but listen, he goes on and he, and he tells us that we should not. We should turn our ear to the truth that we might be changed. Look at Psalms 31 again. Verse 23 and 24. Psalms 31, 23, 24. Because in the season and time we live in, you know, as I said earlier, there'll be people today, and you might hear of people, you might see people walk away from God like it's too hard to serve God in this day. The reason why they say that is because they're too close to the world. We have to make a decision and a choice in a line in the sand to draw to serve God, to love Him with all of our heart. You know, how did David, if you are in verse 23, hold it right there. In Psalms 31, I want to, I want to just talk to you for a minute. How did David get to the point that he says, you're my rock, you're my fortress, you're my defense, you're in whom I trust. In you, I can commit my spirit. You know, a person who is going to be a leader, a person who is going to develop themselves, has to build that kind of love and trust with God. Because you're going to be faced with all kinds of things in life. There's going to be things that's going to come and try to pull you out of the position that you're in, trying to fulfill and walk in the promises of God and the blessing that God has on your life. But if you'll learn like David did, even through his mistakes that he made, even through the troubles that he went through, and all of the things that took place in his life, he continually turned back to God. He would throw himself before the Lord. He would commit himself to God. He would commit his spirit. You know all. When you look at Jesus, look at other places in the Bible. Jesus on the cross, what did he do? He says, Lord, I commit my spirit into your hands. What are we saying when we do that? Not my way, your way. Not my will, your will. I'm giving you my whole life. Change me, mold me, make me into who you want me to be to benefit and to glorify you. You know, when Jesus went to the cross, teaching his disciples, he told them, he said to them, that they should, that everything he's going to do is going to glorify the Father. That his life when he goes to the cross, all that he's doing his whole life was to glorify the Father. Are you reading Psalms 31, 23 there? Everything Jesus did was to glorify the Father. Everything he did was to love God. To show the, that kind of love that should be there. Look at what David said. Oh, love the Lord, all you who are a Christian, call themselves a Christian, are His saints. For the Lord preserves the faithful and He fully repays the proud person. What does that mean? It means don't hang on to our lying vanities within ourselves. Don't hang on to the myths and the things that cause us to want to get our ears scratched because of the need we have instead of growing in love? Are you hearing me today? Be of good courage and He will strengthen your heart. All you who hope in the Lord. Today, 
Love him. Commit yourself. This is what David did, the king. He committed himself fully. You know, we have to lay aside false pursuits. We have to commit ourselves. What you commit to, you will begin to love. What you commit to, you have to begin to love. You have to pour out love. You have to commit. You have to connect. Your connect will commit. Your commit will connect. And we are called to love. If you have any lack of commitment, as Ephesians says, there's the door of deception can be laid open. To hear, as we saw, that in the last days, the Bible says there'd be people who would draw themselves uh, to other things, to hear something that satisfies that vanity. But he says, if we will grow in love, we'll close that door of deception so that we might create within our own self a place where we glorify God with our life. When you deny and when you falsely reject the kind of love you're called to give, you will create in yourself a lying vanity for why you don't have to. You will tell yourself, I don't have to do that. I don't, I don't want to do that. That doesn't feel good to me. It challenges me because of what I want, what I see, the way I want to do it. But in the church, we want to cry out as David did and say, oh God, you are my king. I love the way he ended this cry. He said, no matter in all of the things that he said through Psalms 31, because he was laid open, he was at his last bit of, of ability to continue going on. But he kept encouraging himself and who God was and he knew he could trust Him. That's the kind of love he had with God. He knew that he could count on God showing up. That kind of commitment, that kind of trust. Because he was pouring out. He was pouring out. And he was pouring out. You know, when you pour out love, you can, can, you can trust that God's going to continually deliver you and keep you. When you walk in that place of love. Keep the destruction by your own vanity out of your life. Lay down worthless pursuits of selfish acts. Pursue hard after God. Pursue hard to grow in love towards those in whom you are called to be committed to within the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Those brethren whom God has fitly joined you to, to the core within the church. Christ, the head of His body. Today, you see, that's how a great leader communicated. That was his actions. That's the way he lived. We saw that in David towards God. We see how Paul teaches the church, how Jesus commanded the church to live and to walk and to do and to be equipped with. Today, I pray that this is an equipping. I pray that it's confronting. I pray that it's going to bring health that it's going to bring healing, that it's going to bring life, and it's going to uh, bring to pass the purpose and why God has sent it in your life today. In Jesus' name, let's pray. Thank you for listening to today. If you're wanting more of these timely messages and teachings, go to our website at Pursuit Church Mornington to find all the other ways you can access Pursuit Church ministry and messages. 